0: Hello, and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We'll help you dig it. Well, I think I'm gonna start off today with a few scriptures. If you're following along in a Bible, that's always, it's always a good thing to do. Um, I'm very visual, so it helps me to be able to see something, helps me to remember it. But the first one being Ephesians five fifteen, and it's similar to what Tyler actually opened up with, having our heads lifted up. It just says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I think this is so incredibly important in a religion where Jesus has actually taught us to pray, the essence of prayer, Father in heaven, boom, we're in the family. We're in relationship to outside of time and space in order to usher something into this domain. Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And so when we read the scripture there in Ephesians 5.15 about walking circumspectly, not as fools, but as time, making valuable use of the time that you've been given, because you have your mind in a circumspect place. You have your, your head lifted up. You're awake and not asleep, walking in the earth, and understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's the same as the prayer, "Your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven." And something that struck me um, several weeks back, maybe six or six or eight weeks ago, that I was reading when I was reading Revelation. When Jesus comes and he announces himself to the church, the Laodicean church, he calls himself the Amen in Ephesians 3.14. These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And it's, it's such a beautiful term, but I've never, you know, he calls himself the Amen or the agreement of God, the will of God. These things say the will of God. You know, in this church, we've done so much studying of the scriptures, and we've looked at things like one of the most important verses there is to to unlock the entire Bible, the John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So He was with them, but He was also God. But this word, this logos, you know, this this, this word logos didn't mean just, It's the word of God, brother, you know, just like written necessarily word, but it was like the full and complete articulation, the expression of who God is embodied in a person who actually was God as well and was with God. And in seeing this, everything in the Bible gets unlocked, but also that scripture in Ephesians 5.15 about walking circumspectly, not as a fool, but as wise and what it looks like to redeem time and space, redeeming the time, redeeming this dimension, a place where time exists and it does not on the outside, is redeeming the time because the days are evil, but to do this we must understand what the will of the Lord is. And so we understand that He is the will, the logos, the word, the expression, the amen of God, Jesus, His new covenant, everything He paid for us to have is His heart's desire for mankind. Everything that we see in Him is ours. And there's nothing that wouldn't come out of his mouth that should come out of our mouth. You know what I'm saying? It's like we are, he is the identity, the image of the one in whom we've been created. And he is the one who is the amen. He he is the official stamp of God's will and his plans and purposes for the world. And in seeing this, we are unlocked. And not only unlocked, but we're unlocked to function and release the will and plans and purposes of God in the world. And I'm having this concept kind of come over me, and and I'm I'm contemplating this even as I'm running around this morning, of of this reality that we've, we've, we've done several messages about this past tense, you know, 2 Peter 1, you've been given everything, you know. Everything has been released unto you for life and godliness. The fullness of it all has been given to you already, you know. Jesus saying these, these strange sayings about what faith is and how it works and what it looks like and what prayer looks like, you know, asking this, this Mark 11 that Hugh prays like whatever you ask when you pray, believe you've received it and then you will have it. Amen. And it's just like, you know, we've been saying this like, hey man, if I believed I had it, I wouldn't be asking for it in prayer. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) You know what I mean? But Jesus is saying it, so it has to be the truth. And this, this reality of like, whatever things you ask in prayer, you believe you receive them and you will have them. It's saying like you have this ability to have faith and come into agreement with the will of God as it is in heaven. And it will be manifested on the earth. And so seeing Jesus, seeing his will, seeing his desire, seeing what he's paid for is absolutely crucial, and it is everything, and it has always been there. I, I, something I was thinking you know, this morning, running up the road that's kind of behind here, actually, the scripture we hear a lot of times, or you've probably heard it several times, people fight about, people love to use Romans to fight each other. Have you ever noticed that? The most annoying religious people that you that you know, I could be wrong, but I'm going to step out on them. The most annoying religious people that you know, their favorite book of the Bible is Romans. Is that true or false? <laughs> love you know what I mean? It's, it's always like, yeah, I bet I bet you do, because you got that thing turned around backwards so you can whip people with it. That's why you love it. No, okay, my opinion. Uh, <laughs> the Roman row, yeah. Vincent's chiming in like, yeah, boy. <laughs> I've been drugged down that road, you know. But Romans is a beautiful book, actually, when it's read through the lens of Jesus Christ and not through the lens of the law and condemnation and, and doubt and unbelief. Um, and there's something uh, you've heard Romans four seventeen that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And what it's saying is Jesus Christ is the key that unlocks the whole map. And without seeing him, you can't see any of it through the Old Testament or the New, even in Romans. If we don't see it through the lens of this person, he is the amen. He was the missing. He's the capstone of the building. It's the big triangle on the top of the Pyramid of Giza type of thing. It's the, it's the, it's the stone on top of the building that is the actual blueprint of the rest of the building. If you took the stone off and placed it, it would be an exact... Um, the exact specs and dimensions. Only it would be larger because they would all be put together, and that's what they're going to look like. You catch what I'm throwing? It's, it's the mock-up. It's, it's Jesus is is the amen of God. He is understand what the will. What's the will of God in my life? It is to be conformed into His image fully, and in that Christian, Christian gospel walk, everything you need is added unto you. That's the game of the matrix. It's seek first the kingdom. And all the things that you need will be added to you. Don't be worried and don't be steered by fear. How am I going to be provided for? That's the trick of the enemy. See, there's two agendas. One is always used through fear to forecast the future. And one is always the love of God through the lens of Jesus Christ. The true testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy. And we will choose one of those lenses in every choice and decision of our life. That's the only way it goes. Tree of knowledge or the tree of life and and say well i have to think about that for a while that's good to do go run five six seven eight miles and think about that for a while because it it will process through your brain or walk i'm about health you know that's that's true but it's like listen it, it 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 will let the the words of the lord sink down into your soul and let them kind of arrange themselves from 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 a puzzle into like into like pure sacred ancient Current truths that will steer your life and that's the way this thing works. And so you've got Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He's 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 talking about Whoever believes in Jesus will not be put to shame and, and he who calls upon the name of the Lord You know will be saved and how should they hear without a preacher and all these things But he says something in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God It's really Christ the real translation there faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, Jesus, the testimony of Jesus, the one, the amen who unlocks everything. And he says, but I say, have they not heard? And then he says, yes, indeed, they have heard. And it's just like, wait a second. Well, there's tribes somewhere that have heard. We've got to reach the unreached. You know, okay. But the apostle Paul's not saying that. It sounds like what he's saying. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. But have they not heard? And he says, yes, everybody's heard. And he quotes Psalm 19. And he says, Their sound has gone out to all the ends of the earth, and their words to the end of the world. But, but I say, Did Israel not know? I will provoke you to jealousy by a nation who is not yours. In other words, it's like, everybody's heard this gospel, they just haven't realized that they've heard it. Because it's been, because it's been written across the stars in the sky forever. That's what Psalm 19 is about. And I think like, hey man, that's really strange. You know, it's something we've actually talked about in here before. It's been a while and I'm not going to do it today. But it's called astral prophecy. It's this thought that, it's this biblical thought, that the gospel has been written in the stars as part of creation. And we know in like Genesis 1, he, you know... God says He gave the stars, the moon, and the stars for the times and the seasons and things like that. So it's not like this hitting like you know I'm in a bad mood today because Saturn's in retrograde. You know what I'm saying those types. It ain't that. It ain't that noise. It's like you know I lost the I lost my iPhone. You know Jupiter's in retrograde right now and I'm just really moody. <laughs> Sorry, that's not what this is, but. Um, yeah, yeah, sounds from the last. A lot of people have been told those. Uh, but Psalm 19 says, just like Genesis 1, that, that the stars and the moon, they were made for the times and seasons to mark the times and seasons. That It says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. That's Psalm 19:1. Day unto day utter speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line that's the ecliptical line has gone through all the earth and their words to the end of the world it's saying the stars they tell the story of god they they tell the story of the gospel granted it's been perverted by the fallen angels you know what i'm saying and made something it was never meant to be but you you know you you read the books like job and they're talking about orion they talk about the different constellations in the book of job the pleiades and stuff like that it's like, it's in our Bible, you know. It's just not talked about much. and um, But here you are saying, it's like their language goes to the end of the world. Like it, They don't have to have a, a, a language. It's, it's a universal language. It's pictures. It's times it seems it's pictures. Their line, the, the line of them, the way that, you know, anybody have like the star map, like apps and stuff? A few of us have those. We could look where all the... Where the moon is, what phase it's in, I, you know. Okay, nobody. I'm a nerd. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's 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 astronomy. It's not astrology. It's not retrograde. It's not that g- guy. You know what I mean? Or girl. You know, whoever. It's it's astronomy. It's it's science, actually, and it's creation. That God is that creation is a saying. Declares the glory of God in the firmament that shows His handiwork. It shows something. Yes. I don't know how this little Baptist guy from kentucky william branham anybody ever heard of him he used to say the gospel was written in the stars the constellation had been perverted and it was actually a, a the constellations were actually a picture of the gospel of god and this is in like the 1940s or 50s you know this guy used to say this and it was he was right and now it's known and you go to seminary and you find out you know revelation 12 when john's talking about the woman clothed with the sun the, the moon under her feet and the dragon in the sky and the seven stars all those different things it was a time stamp of the way the stars were positioned on the night that Jesus was born. And it traces back to 3 B.C. Um, September 11, 3 B.C., by our our calendar, when Jesus was actually born. So it actually wasn't Christmas Day, but, you know, it's pretty close. But I'm not going to redo this. You guys have seen this, and you can look any of this stuff. You can look, you can watch, you know, seminary professors and and, and real high-level theologians do this on, like, YouTube or whatever if you want. I'm not here for that today. But what I am here today to say is that that the Apostle Paul is saying that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and then he's quoting that, that psalm that talks about the astronomical, the gospel written over the stars in Romans. Now, the annoying re- religious friend who, who loves Romans doesn't usually take that from that, but that's exactly and precisely what's going on there. He's like, but they have they not heard? Like He's like, oh, yes, everyone's heard. They just don't know what they've heard. They've seen it. God's projected it to them. It just has to be awakened in them. And faith comes by hearing, but hearing only comes by the word of Christ himself. It's like Jesus, he's the missing link that causes it all to, boom, wake up and make sense. It's like, ah, you're the one. It unlocks the whole Bible from being this rule book of a bipolar God in the fearful future of the end times to being something far more different than that. The victorious story of the redemption of all things and our invitation to participate as the sons and daughters of the warrior king. Yeah. The, Le- the lion, the Leo, <laughs> the Leo, you know, the great warrior, the Orion, the Leo, the Virgo, the virgin woman, you know, the dragon, the, you know. OK, anyways, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like the, the story of the true gospel that we're all called to step into. Could it be that everything that that's been released that we need for life and godliness has already been given us? And our only job is to see it as it truly is and come into agreement with it. And could it be that that's why his name is the Amen, the name above every name, this the one Jesus, the one who Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's all about him. Could it be that reality, and that the war is that these human beings created in the image of God? There's a war over the mind of man to step into faith or to step into fear. You know, and all of darkness has been empowered and disempowered and defeated. However, it's up to us who we give our authority to. It was up to Adam who he gave the keys to. Remember when Satan came to Jesus in the wilderness and he said, all this has been given to me. It was true. Adam gave it away by eating from his tree. He sided with him. Um, Jesus took the keys back, took the keys of death and hell back. And now we have the keys on this earth that we will bind. That which is bound in heaven should not be allowed here. And what's loosened in heaven should be loosed here. And this is our job. And it's not about being a club. It's about living this truth. And by faith, coming into agreement with that, that which is in heaven, even though it is not on the earth. And that we call those things that are not as though they are, and they become, just like our Father showed us and told us how to do it. I could be done right now. Say la. We're going to go on a 5K uh, march and process this stuff around the soccer fields across the river. I ran around them this morning already. It does you good, I'm telling you. Oh, boy. Lace them up. Lace them up. Yeah? It's the competition. The mind of man. The principalities and powers. That's That's where they're enthroned. That's how they are settled over regions, because people have power and they don't know. People, not to be like Keanu Reeves, are like the batteries that the machine wants to use its power to project its reality. That movie is more prophetic than anything you're gonna hear, but it's just like, that's what the matrix was about. It's like people, the enemy tries to use the faith, the power of mankind in order to actually forecast his future and buy himself time. He actually thinks he could win, I believe, to be honest. But it's like to buy himself time and authority to defeat the, real, the great warrior king. And it's, it's not going to happen. It's not. But we are called as the church that the gates of hell wouldn't prevail on the earth. And that's what the war is, man. When I was a young Christian, I was, I was in my early mid-20s, two, three, four, somewhere in there, 22, 3. But an older Baptist minister in North Carolina, actually, uh, he was talking to me and a couple of my buddies. We were just hanging out with him for a day and his name was uh, Alan Smith. And um, he told us that the demons of the world, millions of them, were all the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim who'd been destroyed during the flood in the days of Noah. And um, they were, obviously they drowned or they were killed. They were out of their original bodies, but they could not enter into the eternal realm of heaven. So they were trapped here in the unseen realm or in the spirit realm. Sometimes you'll hear that called the second heaven, right? Ezekiel 8, you know, Ezekiel's pulled up in between heaven and earth, that's the second, into the spirit realm where you can see both light and darkness, behind the scenes, it's the unseen realm. Ephesians 3.10 calls the demonic rulers of the world, the. the rulers and authorities, the principality powers of the heavenly places. It's the second heaven. It's the spirit realm where these things are trapped. And those are are the Nephilim spirits, the demons, or also their parents, you know, um, the Elohim. But, um, you know, at the time when he told me that, I didn't know. I was like, whoa, that's where the demons came from? You know what I'm saying? Everyone's like, well, a third of the angels fell down. Now they're the bad guys. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, 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 no. Like, this has been Jewish thought and belief, and, and, and this has been the way the earlier writers of the Bible all believed for thousands of years. And it's Jewish tradition, it's Jewish thought, it's just, it was what they believed. And, you know, I was pretty young, and I was like a sponge, so I thought it was really interesting. Um, but I was, fil- I was familiar with the Nephilim, right? The Nephilim, the Genesis 6, the word that's translated giants throughout the Bible, Nephilim and Raphaim and all these different things names were these hybrid beings um, because I had read the I think it was Rick Joyner books when I was a kid, when I was like 21, 22 years old, when he would talk about that's, that's what Genesis 6 is, it's talking about these hybrids that were made from angels mating with with humans and that's what the Nephilim were and that's who the giants came from and it, obviously I just believed that stuff because I read it and now I look back and now there's so much scholarly work on it I mean shoot, Dr. Michael Heiser, he's done probably the best job with it but that's become common knowledge in like the majority of the belief of the church and, and, and theologians. And it's, it's a really hard. It, you can't really argue it. That, that That is the history of the world. And, the, and that even just with the demonic, that's what, that's what the Nephilim have been reduced to, the d- demonic of the world, millions of them. So anyhow, without going into that too much, all of you guys know a lot of that stuff. But just to say what I'm saying... The, the point is that the, the enemy or the demonic realm, it's full of defeated foes. Um, but they're looking to gain, gain life and gain power by those who are ignorant. And that's what this little Baptist guy told me all those years ago. He's like, yeah, that's, that's what demons are. They were disembodied in the flood. And they so desire to experience the human life through humans. And that's why they attach to humans through their wounds and through the things that they're involved with and their addictions and all this stuff and that's how they experience life but they also torment and they're basically parasites like every disease seems to be. And um, I was like, okay, yeah, sure, cool. You know, it's interesting, I know about the Nephilim but I mean, now studying it out, I understand it's very, very true. Um, but in reality, Jesus comes and he's demonstrated the will of God, the amen, the, the complete and total defeat of that dark realm. And if you read the stories, like, you know, the the very first thing, he's baptized, he's out in the wilderness. And there's the confrontation with with one of their top dogs, Satan himself, is out there trying to tempt Jesus, trying to buy him. Then Jesus comes back, he's picking the rest of his disciples. And Mark chapter 121, he shows up in the Capernaum, excuse me, and... Instantly a guy in the church there in the synagogue starts hollering out acting a, acting a fool and had a demon on the inside of him you know what I mean and Jesus tells the thing to be quiet and come out and This blew the place's mind You, you can imagine this They're in, you're in your Sunday's best while well, Saturday's best for them You know what I mean as a synagogue you're at church and nobody nobody probably realized that that guy was had a roommate for lack of a better word. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just fit right into their system. But there was never any light to push him out in that system. Yeah. So that thing was sitting there comfortable, and who knows, all of a sudden it's snarling or drooling or whatever it's doing or just talking trash, causing a, destruct- a distraction. That's one thing I've seen. People that are packing that demonic, sometimes they're the most distracting people in the church. Annoying. But it's like... You know, Acts 16, 16, Paul was so annoyed by it one time that he just called it out. But anyhow, like, this guy causes such a distraction, but they're talking about Jesus, like, who is this guy? Like, he's got authority. This isn't like the scribes. This isn't like what we're used to, what we're, what's normal for us. He comes in, and light versus darkness is like the first thing, and he wasn't even trying at that stage. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and people are just like, what is this? What is this new thing? <laughs> and it's just like this is the Christ this is the Amen and this is the will of God that that this darkness is separated from mankind amen. yeah dude and it's the way Jesus sees and the way he lives Luke 1 Luke 11 14, I love this that he was casting out a demon and it was mute that's what the verse says he was casting out a demon and the demon was mute so it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke and the multitudes marveled. Very similar to that Capernaum deal, but it's just like, but what I see there is like he was casting out a demon, but the attribute of that demon had been taken on by that person, and it was not that person's inheritance. Yeah. We're like, dang, we just thought, oh, you know, old Jethro couldn't talk. We thought Jethro was tongue-tied, you know, maybe he was he had a little issue, maybe he got hit in the head, or you know what I mean, Jethro. You know, silent, you know, silent Jethro. But in reality, Jesus cast out a demon that was mute from the guy. Like, hey, like, he could see through the man. And he could say some of the attributes that have become your identity are not your identity. And he called that thing that was so ingrained and hidden on the inside of that man that no one knew. They thought he, he had a condition that was an actual spirit. And he, and he said, now nah, you, your days are done experiencing life through this man and when that light and darkness was separated like in the beginning of Genesis because that is the will of the amen the man spoke and everybody was freaked out by like whoa whoa he just healed him it's like no he didn't heal him he separated something that was not part of that man's identity and this is the sword of the Lord let doesn't say the word of the Lord is, is living and active it is sharper than any two edged sword it divides through the soul and the spirit. What is that? Yeah. The soul, like your 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 human psyche, your mind, your will, your emotions, and then your return this spirit, you know, through the bone and the marrow. I didn't know they understood about marrow and things, scientific stuff like that back then, but apparently it did. But it's like, you know, it's like he's like this the word of God comes and he is the word. Right? The sword comes from his mouth in the book of Revelation. Like it's it's like the will of God, the word of God, you come step into alignment with it, it aligns your path and it starts to do a dividing, dividing and conquering in you, cutting those things that are not supposed to be there. That's what circumcision always was, this unnecessary flesh that doesn't belong when you, you know, it it was something it was always something different. It was always something like I'm there's there's an aspects of your being, of even your DNA that have been that have been something since the days of Adam has actually crept into humanity and I intend to separate those things. That's the word of God, man. And that's how he rolled through it. The whole, that's how the amen rolls the entire time of his story. And so here we are with the word of God, just as the stars of heaven, the gospel that surrounds us at all times, waiting for us to believe it by seeing it through the lens of Christ. You feel that? yeah I was like mile four that came to me today it's like oh that's what he's saying dude it's like it's like he's seeing the gospel's there we've all been seeing it how many times do you feel pressure or stress in life maybe none of you do this but as soon as you go out and you see the stars you're like it's like oh yeah this whole thing's way bigger why is that? because your dad made that for you you know he made it like that for you yeah And it speaks of his glory and his goodness. And it shows his story in it. But we don't see the story. How much of the word of God is floating? It is around us. It is spoken. It is eternal. And it it is finished, as he said. It is settled. The will of God is settled. I declare not guilty and wholeness for their treason. It's like, wait a second. You mean punishment? We sold you out. We did some real bad, naughty things. Like, No, I said not guilty. I'll take it upon myself. I declare you innocent and pure before god and you deserve intimate relationship with god authority and power get the ring get the new robe get the sandals and live the life of your father your father's household the father's business it's like well that sounds too good to be true to me and hence the word gospel is written too good to be true the good news this is brilliant isn't it it really just is it's like it's like, it's just like the stars. It's always there. The word of God is there waiting for us to see through Christ. Because faith comes by hearing, but hearing, true hearing, that rhema. True hearing comes by that word, that, that rhema, that, that are, oh, the unlocking revelatory word of seeing it through Jesus. Yeah. It's not a rhema conference and all prophetic words. It's like, no, the testimony of Jesus, that unlocks the, the heightened of this mystical walk which is Christianity and it causes us to step into the inheritance which has been freely given and which is totally out of hand for us now and that's the war of coming into agreement with that reality and then ask those things and believe that you've received them when you come into agreement with my will that has been released on your behalf and you ask like ah because you see that then it manifests in your life and that's what we're after. That's what we're after. Yeah. What about the demons, the bad guys? You know, it's like, well, don't, don't, don't feed the snake and it won't become a dragon at the end of the book, right? What was the snake? He was cursed to, uh, what was the curse? You're going to crawl on your belly and you're going to eat the dust of the earth, you know? which man was created the dust of the earth. It represented the flesh, the carnal nature of man. Fast forward to the book of Revelation. The, the serpent's a dang dragon flying around, breathing out all kinds of floods and stuff like that. It's this crazy, psychotic, just demonic, crazy being. Because like, he's been eating for thousands of years. But the carnal nature, living the lie, living out of fear and doing things in the flesh, feeds the enemy. But we can put him on a fast and only eat by faith. You know, by the words of our mouth even. What does it say? I... And I was thinking, like, what's a I was thinking of, of an encouragement for our body and for our for our church, and even just a word of wisdom. 1 Peter 5, 6, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, casting your anxiety. In other words, refusing to be led of fear. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So humility and walking with the Lord trusting in him is refusing to be led by fear and in verse 8 of 1st Peter 5 it says so be sober and be vi- vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour you know and it's like oh well there's there's a warning for the church be be sober be vigilant the devil's on the creep looking to bite bite and devour you. It's like, yeah, but if you look at what it's saying, it says, don't be trapped into a place of fear. And if you read 1 Peter 5, he's talking about competing with one one another, talking bad about one another, doing all these things. Understand that God's the one that's going to place you. Don't be led by fear, led by trust in Him. Be sober and be vigilant. It's very similar to having your head lifted up, walking circumspectly, because you know, I'm not going to feed the enemy in my life by stepping into fear, which produces negativity. And then I'm speaking negative things. and I'm talking negative things. Or I'm talking about other people. Because what that's doing is just releasing that garbage into my own life. And he's looking. He's thirsty. He's hungry. The enemy is waiting to be fed by the faith of mankind so that he can project his future. Mankind comes into agreement with it. Speaks it out. And it manifests in the earth. Or Jesus Christ is the Amen. The perfect will of God, the wholeness, the life, the light. You know, Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, only that which edifies. Guard your tongue. It's like, hey, the enemy wants to be fed of that negativity, but if if you never release it, it's never fed to him. He never gets it. You know what I mean? It's like, we can step into the authority of God by guarding our tongue, by guarding our words, by saying the things in agreement with what he says. Even if it is the, even if it's not our reality quite yet we understand that no, no 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 he says by his stripes i have been made whole my family is is healed like no no no. i am coming into agreement with that i will come into agreement with nothing else the the war it's there's a war of the worlds but it's a war of words and it feeds our ourselves it's like you know what there's so many things that are written about the things that we speak constantly death and life you know proverbs 18 20, 21 from the fruit of a man's mouth his stomach is satisfied he's satisfied by the yield of his lips that's like saying hey be careful the things that you say that's what's going to be be edifying and building in your own life it's like hey buddy you've christ and use the hope of glory you've been given so much more authority than you realize and words is a major part of it it goes on, Proverbs eighteen twenty one, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it eat its fruit. Jesus told that to Satan in the wilderness. This man doesn't eat by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's, he's understanding. He's, you know, John 4, he's telling disciples, I got food you guys don't know about. It's to do the will of my Father. He's like, he's understanding what he's releasing is what's feeding him. This has always been a game of words because the words actually represent the heart and they actually steer our life. James talks about the tongue, it's like a fire that can set a whole wilderness on fire, right? What's that, James 3 talks about like, your tongue is like a dang rudder on a ship that steers, it's a little tiny thing, but it steers the whole ship. The enemy is in the game of trying to capture that one little piece, the tongue, through negativity and fear and accusation and wound men. If If he can capitalize on somebody's pain, hurt and wound, he can forecast through their life out of their own mouth and steer them that way. He doesn't have the power to do it, but you do, and He knows this. Yeah. But the Amen knows the same thing. Yeah. He knows the same thing. And the prophecies of the Old Testament, like here, Isaiah 59, your words, my words will be in your mouth from this time until forevermore. There's something into coming into agreement with that covenant, with the Amen that forecasts it, that creates reality in this dimension that we're called to step into. I think I'm going to wrap it up. I won't even do it because I think everyone knows these stories. But the book of Daniel, it's about so many things. Jesus gave props to Daniel, which was such a beautiful thing. I can't imagine Daniel, cloud of witnesses, hearing Jesus say that, watching that. But... um. The story of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and like the the fiery furnace, and the writing on the wall, and the dreams they would interpret, and all this crazy stuff. It's about these guys that were captives in Babylon. They were Jewish. Many of you know this stuff. But in the beginning, they were set apart because they were good-looking, and they were good learners, and they were set apart to be in service of the king. And they were fed of like the delicacies of Babylon, the very food that the king would eat. So the best of the best. So they, you know, whatever that G and C vitamins and all that stuff, man, they were getting it all right. And, but Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they decided they didn't want that food. They didn't want to defile their stuff, their with the sacrificial meat that had been burnt to the bales. They're like, nah, man, we'll eat vegetables. We'll just drink water, but it's the best wine. Like we don't care. And you know in the in the end of Daniel 1 you see that, that in you know they made a deal with their boss basically and they took a few weeks on, on their diet where everyone else was on the special GNC you know Babylon diet and they were above everybody else in all their literature and in, the, in their wisdom and in their knowledge their faces their bodies they were fuller they looked they looked better they looked healthier and it was this really cool distinction because they did not eat the delicacies of Babylon, of the world, right? And Daniel 2 goes on, and the king's kind of a psycho, and he's like, interpret this dream. As a matter of fact, I'm not even going to tell you the dream. you got to tell me the dream and interpret it. And everyone's like, well, that's the most impossible thing. But guess who does it? These guys. Yes. This crew. Yes. The vegetable boys. Now, I don't know if they were still veggies at that point, but you know what I'm saying. An, um, but, you know, Daniel does it. And, and it's just like... Like they stepped into this revelation and wisdom and this knowledge and this advancement and this growth inside of the system of Babylon, the world. But their food was different than everybody else's food. And we understand these things. It's funny, we talked about to our girls about this, Matthew 15, 11, It's not what goes into somebody that defiles them, it's actually what comes out that defiles them. You know, they're always trying to trap Jesus, telling him some stuff, telling him, oh, you know, you guys are eating this. They're popping off grain on Sabbath and all this stuff. He's like, it doesn't matter. It's not what goes in. It's what comes out that defiles. And it's like, it's like, hey, man, it's what comes out of you that makes the difference. And so we know even looking at the book of Daniel, like this isn't talking about we should all be vegetarians. This is Texas. That would be a <laughs> terrible thing, you know. Um, but, you know, what I mean? It's, it's not talking about that at all but there's a prophetic picture in this for us it's like hey they didn't eat of the food of babylon they weren't sustained by that they were sustained in their loyalty to god and i believe it fully talks about or is a prophetic picture of our words and they advanced one they advanced in in the in the real world in babylon in the highest technological world of the you know area of the time but two they advanced in all this wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all these things so much so to the point when the, the enemy would try to trap them and get them in trouble for their, you know, for their devotion to God. You know, obviously the fire didn't burn Shadrach and Meshach and those guys. They're walking around with the Lord in it. There's all, all kinds of prophetic stuff to that. You know, Daniel's, you know, he could read. There's a handwriting on the walls. There's reading, you know what I'm saying? To the, to the point where they finally trapped Daniel and being thrown into a lion's den in and, 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 uh, Daniel 6, speaking of the devil being like a roaring lion. But when he got down there, the lions weren't even able to bite him they weren't able to touch him. You know what I mean? It's like he got, he got thrown down as the food for lions that they specifically kept to devour and kill people, and none of the lions did a single thing to him. And I think without reading that story, you can do Daniel 6 if you want. I would imagine many, many of you have. There's something so prophetic for us to see even when we're reading the book of Peter and he's saying things about the devil Who's, who's literally walking and roaming about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour, making a lot of noise, trying to get somebody to come in agreement with his tongue. Um, I think there's something that we can really tie into Daniel six. Is like, hey, they didn't have anything to bite in him. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't defile himself with that with that stuff. And I think it's a prophetic picture. Is like, hey, like we can put the enemy on a fast. Tori has nothing to eat off of around us. You ever feed cats outside of your house? Put a little cat food out for them, a little milk or whatever? I hate cats, so I didn't do it, but have any of you ever done it? But I bet if you did, you start having a bunch of cats. Bet you would. But if you stop feeding them, well, guess what happened? happen? Bet you won't have no cats no more. They'll go find somebody else to, to put their little demonic influence about, you know? Little evil, little... Now, come on, I'm just kidding now i got to have a little fun. Amen. Yeah, amen. yeah I'm, just, well, I'm just joking. Cats are nice. Cats are, cats are pretty, nice. Uh, you know what I mean? But it's like, hey, like we really have the authority to come into agreement with that which is in this covenant. And this is the war of faith that we are all here to live and to wage. It's true. And the other war is not feeding the, the mess around our life by things like negative talk, negative self-talk, gossip, slander. I don't care, to be honest. Maybe I should edit this. Probably won't though. But it's like I don't care if somebody cusses up a storm like a sailor around me, f-bombs and all of it. You know, whatever it is. Nearly as much as I would if somebody that comes around with a gossiping tongue that's divisive, that spins things, that talks negative about people, that's that uses their words to harm. It's just like, hey, like I. I don't want that I will not I'm not cool with that being around me man. I don't like it, I don't want it. You got a dirty mouth, you want F bomb man or whatever man. That's just the culture. You listen to a bunch of rap music as a kid, you know, it's just program. I, I don't have a, I'm not have a, am not i am not condoning that, okay? All right? But I'm just saying like you know, one is far more dangerous. He who doesn't keep a tight rein on his tongue, he's confused in, in his mind and his religion is worthless. Well, James will talk about that. You know what I mean? You're like your religion doesn't even work. It's like you, if you haven't learned that coming into agreement with this new covenant this reality through the lens of Jesus Christ is the authority and power of the age to come, as the testimony of Jesus the spirit of prophecy, then we've then we've missed then we've missed the we missed the boat Noah's Ark. Maybe not the boat. You know. Thanks. But it's like you know. It's it's the reality is. The, there, there, is, there is a simple key to walk in the authority of heaven. And it is by choosing to articulate and to come into agreement with everything that God says is true. Amen. Even when it confounds our own brain. And standing on that. And there's another aspect, a flip side of that key if you will. That is choosing to hold our tongue back from ever causing harm or hurt. And I've heard it said, and it's like I, I've heard it said, and I believe it to be true, that if you will lose the ability to hurt with your mouth, to harm people with your words, you will walk in the open heaven. You'll walk in an open heaven. You will see things the way God sees them, because you will be trusted with the words of heaven. If you will lose the ability to cause damage and harm with your words, you will be trusted with the power of the age to come, because. He understands the power that, you know, the fresh water and and yucky water, it doesn't come out the same mouth, you know. But there's something to it, you know, there's something to it. The enemy's looking to use faith. He's looking to enforce his forecast. But in the same way, Jesus did the same thing. He shows up, you know, the the blind guys. You can heal us, like, do you think I can heal you? I do. let it be according to your faith. The woman let it be according to your faith he comes and he sees the faith they see him it's unlocked boom it's yours and it's the lesson for us we are a house of this faith faith is something that ushers heaven into earth this is our life this is our purpose on earth as in heaven and that's that's my word So, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that your word is eternally true. And, Lord, I ask that we would learn to wield the sword of the word of God in coming in agreement with all of your will and everything that you've spoken and shown us to where we manifest that which is in heaven on the earth and that we bind that which is not in heaven will not belong in earth. Help us to have the wisdom of a lifted head that puts the enemy on a fast in our life. Officially, no vacancy. There's no food for you to eat around us. It is only the life and light of God. And I, Lord, I thank you that you said it and it's written, Ephesians 4.29, you know, to let no unwholesome word, only the things that build. And if that's there, then that's, we are capable of living that way losing the ability to harm to cut down to be critical but stepping into the authority of the sons and daughters of the king amen